now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, short and sharp. Thanks for checking out our year-round carnival review podcast a day late, but we're here and we're ready to bounce out of the blocks, have a good look at some terrific racing, three Group 1s and other features in Melbourne and Sydney. We're doing it with Vince Accardi from Daily Sexuals. Good morning, mate. Ralphie, good morning. Guineas in each state. Let's start with Flemington. Uh, how do you think the track played? I looked at your data and it tells me that I think the hoses may have been a tiny bit overdone. The hoses, yeah. It's, it's sad, these hoses, aren't they? They are. Not too bad, Ralphie, overall, when we look at it. It's it's not too bad. I, there's There's been instances long, long time ago where it's been a lot worse. But overall, if we look at it, to the 800-metre marks, I always see that as being a, pretty cool, a, a critical point. And realistically, the data's indicating that it's in the positive range to the tune of in excess of a length. Where it's probably come off a little bit is around that 600-metre mark to the 400-metre mark. That's where it was off. Yeah. It was at least a length and a half inferior to the 800-metre point. So that 600-metre point to the 400-metre point, sort of like, I'm, I'm not going to say it's like Caulfield, but it just had that just little sting about it. And that creates challenges, as you know. Yeah, and I noticed that not one, I think every every leader was from the back. Is that right? Uh, sorry, every winner was midfield or back. Yep. Uh, Arctic Ferrier in the, up the straight. So, and that anyway. makes sense. That makes sense as well, Ralph, because when you're applying extra exertion, you know, at that critical stage, usually that I call it that death zone is when you're getting up around, you know, like you're inside the 800, approaching the 400 metres. That's when everybody's like really in a position to go full tilt. Yep. So if you're using high exertion up the front, you're going to be the first one to go. And if you're working through that resistance, that's what uh, that's what's part of it. So uh, the Australian Guineas uh, pacing the race again. This is what sort of underlines my point. It, they, they seem to be flying. It, the data says just a little bit above benchmark. Um, well, 0.7 above for a Guineas field. I mean, sometimes yeah, you know, we can say Guineas are plus six, plus eight sometimes. Yeah, well, only the one horse going that speed, and really, for a lot of horses. This was a, like a golden race shape, like yes. head set, Ralphie, a golden race shape. I mean, when Legato won, because I had a pretty good handle on that horse and its ability. Now, mind you, I, I was shocked when I heard they're talking about Cox play that. So they, they obviously feel this horse is going to improve six lengths, right? But the reality is I just felt that this was its level. It's, a, it's around a plus one horse. And, th- and when it won, I said they mustn't have done well, the figures. Right. And there it is, adjustment-wise, plus one. I have a look at the breakdown. Of course, the horse got a golden ratio, 5.4 lengths below benchmark first section. The mid-race, it was a good squeeze going – it was around 7.9, so that that's a good effort. Last 200 metres, plus 1.3, that was positive as well. But overall, uh, pretty soft. So um, the case for Legato, uh, on top of your figures there, uh, two and a half links slowdown from the 400 to 200, yes. that, that obviously wouldn't help. <laughs> well, a lot, of, a lot of runners did cop a slowdown there, Ralphie. Right, yep. And this is all, again, you know, to do with when you're making that transition out of that ground, it, it impacts you. So the second horse, Attrition, um, of course, it's a back marker, except when Jamie Carr rides it and mm. uh, she she understands the, the pace that a race should be ridden. Yeah, and, and probably a little bit stiff not to pinch it. Yeah. Because when you look at that horse's actual effort, it's done three and a half lengths more work through that first section, 
And unfortunately, that's, that's what's costed the race. So it doesn't look like it's a strong guineas now. Of course, we're, we're being clinical here. You know, uh, thoughts at absolute uh, best to, uh, to Ethan Brown, who's doing it really tough in, in hospital since. So we're putting aside that fall. But it doesn't look like vintage guineas as far as uh, – but we do know that Jack and O is a serious talent. Uh, Vince, if you want to use the phrase non-winning position, surely that, that there's example 1A. Well, it is. I mean, <laughs> 7.8 lengths below benchmark. I mean, step one, was that intentional or was just the horse not feeling right? and therefore just didn't have that speed to be in a more positive position. But that's definitely a non-winning position. It's very hard in any type of race when you're standing the lead pack around eight lengths or eight and a half. Like, that's the absolute hour, and you have to be like a very serious racehorse to be able to reel that in. And I'm not saying that Jacono potentially doesn't have that. Unfortunately... Maybe things aren't right. I can't see it in the data that things aren't right, Ralphie. Yep. Like, I know that the horse had come up with a with an issue, but I'm looking at all the numbers, and the horse did everything like it should. Big squeeze in the mid race, peaked with its acceleration inside the 400 meters, and then started to deteriorate. I saw a quote, I haven't got it in front of me, from uh, from Damien Lane, but it was along the lines of, you know, he, he couldn't get going early, then he gets a check and, and, and ends up further back than he wanted to be. Yeah, and okay. he said the horse peaked at its run because he had to do too much work through the mid-race. And, and there's another example. that the, the jockeys ride to the numbers and they can feel on what they've done. And what you're saying is that's exactly what's happened. He, he's peaked through a huge exertion in the mid-race, but it was just impossible to make more ground than he did. And can you imagine between the 8 and the 400, that's the worst part of the ground when you're getting into that 6 to 400 metre range. Not the entire spectrum of that space, but it's at least 50%. And that was the, what was it, 10.8 was the second biggest exertion for the day. Yep. And, yeah, that, that you're going to get that uh, tail at the end where you're going to lose that whole rhythm. And, of course, I'm not saying, but what was the actual something to do with its heart or something? Is that right? Uh, the AI, no, I think I think he was fine. I think, okay, all yeah. right. Well, there you um, go. But just just in position. But what what they have communicated is not going to the All Star Mile. They're looking at a fresh impossibly for fourteen hundred run. I would think the All Star, the All sorry, the All Age Stakes at Randwick end of the carnival fourteen hundred weight for age would be ideal for him off a fresh. Well, this is on the basis if you feel the horse can if rebound, right. Ralph. Yes. So one one of the things that I'm noticing with the Kent Price Stable this time in, they got yep. a little bit of a the Annabelle Nisham feel about them a lot of their horses have been very forward so you you know what happens when you're really forward you 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 compete quickly and yes i have seen it from history get the freshen up you've got one run to rebound so if they play their cards right they might have one more opportunity yeah i think it's six weeks to the race so oh be- yeah very good so actually that's a beautiful bridge to this uh to this blavy stakes before i get to the winner Oh my goodness! Yep, <laughs> not conformers. Oh. The favourite for the race was Gentleman Roy. Now, how often have we said, and it's and it's well, we've been saying it for a year and a half now. Short breaks can lead to, and you just touched on it then about being really forward. That that's as good as you can give. Now, Gentleman Roy was awesome first up, but we said let's have a look at this. Ninety six days, two barrier trials, very uh, not only forward on the data but backed off the map. That's probably as good as you can go. And people who backed him on Saturday did their money. 
Yeah, that's as good as spot on, Ralph. I mean, pl- and used plenty of speed through that first section, 5.7 above, and then it was just deterioration from then. It was a m- massive drop-off last 200 metres. Really, when you look at it, between the four and the two, the horse had lost 1.6 lengths of velocity and then another 2.3 lengths over the last 200 metres. So basically, the horse has lost six and a half lengths over the last 400 metres. And that is, firstly, I'm not saying this horse's speed of 5.7 isn't like the absolute top speed, but that's massive, right, to be able to hold on. But that tail end also gives you the indication that this is another stable... Again, now I don't know if it's strategies or whatever, they appear to have a whole group of horses super fit, Ralphie, into their campaigns, and, and they're not they're going to be short-lived. Because that's their best early. Yep. It's, it's, it's reverse Waller, if you like. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's exactly right. Uh, one more before I get to the winner, pounding. We said the same thing, as remarkable a job as, uh, as the Moody Stable have done with this horse, uh, racing through July once he gets to dry ground through the summer, he was a star. But you said on this podcast after his last win at Sandown, that's probably that's probably a sign now that, uh, that that's his best. And so he's come second and there'd be happy days, but the data's clearly saying he's, he's trending downwards. We'll have a look at it. He went, if we go back to Flemington 17th of the 12th, that was a benchmark performance overall. Then the 21st, of the first at Mooney Valley. He peaked with a plus 2.3, sensational best of the day. Went to Sandown one again, easy, but only an overall figure of 1.4, and today we're down to 0.3. So the scale is out, it's, yep. it's, and, it's, and it's deteriorating. Righto, non-conformist. Now, there, I'm there's... crying still. What's that, crying? <laughs> yeah, I'm crying because... It's so weird. Yeah, well, I'm going to listen to you first because I, and I can, you know, get my tissues out. Well, I'm going to go back to my Caulfield day, tech days. We, had a th- we, we did art and craft. The craft is measuring horses. The artists try to predict what's going to happen. And as, uh, as Dominic Byrne, I remember doing this on RSN, he said, you're going to go broke ignoring market expectations. This horse with no first up profile, $26 into $19. Do you reckon he was forward, Vince? Yeah, well... You kind of rub it in a bit there, but yeah. Well, look at the performance. One point nine links below benchmark first section. <laughs> when I look at its history, right from a first yeah. up point of view, the horse never gone that good through the first section, and then increased the pace between the eight and the four to go plus one point five, like a three point three length mid race squeeze. And one of the very few horses, well, definitely the the only one in this field, two and a half lengths above benchmark last 400. He made it look easy. And that's why I'm crying, because when I was doing the adjustments, Ralphie, I got the tissues out because I said, (laughs) oh, look, last campaign, I said, maybe this horse is nowhere. But if you look the campaign before, this was the sort of horse you were hoping that you could really build a giant number of gold nuggets. <laughs> and I didn't get any of those gold nuggets on that horse. Well, the and, the, and the point being, his talent wasn't in question. His no. talent isn't in question. But he had no first-up profile whatsoever. I went no. right through it all. I think the best he, he – I think he just beat Benchmark once, and here he is, 2.6 leagues above Benchmark, best of the day. And afterwards, heard some interviews say, oh, yeah, he surprised us a bit. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, sure, sure he did. 
Yeah. 26s and the 19s. They, they got the money. Too good. Yeah, they knew that. That's dope. Jeez, he's good, isn't he? He's Big fantastic. He's, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he he was so good, Ralphie. Far out. <laughs> so the beauty is, yeah. Sorry, Ralphie. The beauty is this now. We've got an opportunity. I don't know exactly if it's going to be the next start or the start after, but... I'm looking forward to seeing this horse back at around that 2,000 metre range. Is this now going to be the horse that, I don't know, if I go back to October last, is it 21, Ralph? 21, what sort of, yep. yeah, what were we thinking? Were we thinking this horse was cox plate material? Uh, well, he was in the mix for the Caulfield Cup, but in the end he, okay. found, he found a wet track in the Caulfield Cup. But, you know, what, what did he do in that Caulfield Stakes, that might and power? He was beaten a nose by a proper bill. Yeah, and, and produced a 5.2. Okay, so what if I told you they've decided not to go to the All-Star Mile in two weeks, the Australian Cup in three weeks? Oh, 2,000 metres. That's good news. <laughs> right, you, might, you might not cry then. <laughs> no. So I'm looking forward to seeing who shapes up in that field. Hopefully, at, well, if Animo comes in, then it's going to be a big contest. No, Animo will stay in Sydney. Uh, it looks like oh. Gold Trip's going to Sydney, so it might be oh, uh, Steinem, right. you know, so it'll be a good contest. But the the field will drop away because it's because uh, a lot of good racers are in Sydney by then. So it uh, looks a beautiful race for him. Steinem will be his competition. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so we'll yep. be breaking that apart. Uh, you you were happy in race five. You had Munimek uh, clearly on top and, uh, and talking about a horse that's been up for a while, thriving with racing, gone to a new level this campaign, repeat performances on clean ground. He's later seeing him a clear best for the prep, 1.3 legs above bench, IVR benchmark, and, and you went on to the, break down the data. So um, so Nick Ryan's uh, obviously doing a great job with his team. I, I love trainers that can keep horses up and keep them up. I mean, this horse won... His first Australian start, X Hong Kong in August. Here he, here he is, still running to his best. And what a beautiful ride, Mark Zara. Oh, absolutely. Perfection, Ralphie. Look at the figures. Perfection in terms of energy distribution. 800 to the 600, a length below the standard. Between the 6 and the 4, increased the pace by around a length, going 0.1 above. 4 to 2, really holding, 0.1 better, right? So that's perfect. But then a bit of the Nash came in had like almost a half a length to spare over the last 200 minutes. I love it when riders can do that, that they can actually understand that inside the 200, they still got some energy left so the horse can maximise his distribution and speed and efficiency. That that wins races. I mean, you know, as it turned out, this horse was just simply too good in my view. And if you look at it in comparison to the two starts before, it didn't have to do anywhere near the same, you know, like – high acceleration over the last 400 metres is what it had to do on the weekend to dispose of this competition. Well, speaking of disposing of a competition, uh, up to straight the English, well, Benedetta is an interesting one. and it, it's, it's a great learning tool as well, Vince, because line chases are something you've got to be very careful of, of knocking, but the reality was into this race, she'd yet to produce a big figure. She has now. <sighs> Well, it was probably one of the best performances of the day, Ralphie. I mean, <laughs> plus 1.9 wow. second best. Wow. <laughs> and this is what underlining that it's a tough day to run time and it's second best of the day. Yeah. And it, and it was it was a pretty pretty solid effort too. I mean, I'm just looking at the last 400 metres. I mean, what that horse was able to do, go plus 3.3, it's pretty it's pretty good. And it's like it's not like the horse was travelling six, seven lengths below benchmark through that first half of the race. The horse was actually travelling at a reasonable speed inside that sort of critical six-length zone. I mean, 2.9, that's that's pretty good pace to be able to finish off with that, Ralphie. Yep. And, geez, it was clearly superior too, wasn't it? Absolutely. So uh, they're, they're going to have a lot of fun there. It's first prep, 
but uh, geez, it's still heading north, isn't it? For sure. I wonder where they're going to go with this horse from here. Well, probably prize money dependent, I'd assume. So, but uh, you'd think uh, they'll have a good look at Sydney because she's absolutely flying. Maybe uh, after this big prize money result, they'll say, "Let's let's see what she can do as a mare." Uh, let, let's uh, roll across to Randwick. Um, Thankfully, we did our preview podcast, uh, Vince, with the updates on Saturday. Now we're doing both this week, so this is the uh, the Coolmore Stakes Day and the Australian, uh, sorry, the Newmarket Handicap Day, Flemington. So you've got a choice uh, which way you want to go. You can get both if uh, if you're really keen. We're gonna we're keen. We're gonna get up at five on Friday to do it. But uh, our preview podcast will be involving uh, both uh, Rose Hill and Flemington, and you can get it via preview podcast at racetrackralphie.com.au. You get Vince's uh, cutting edge daily sectionals tool, which is the race speed profiles, Friday early edition, Saturday morning update. And Vince, the Saturday morning update was needed because Royal Randwick, we weren't expecting that big bucket of rain on the Friday and uh, it obviously played in the soft range. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you've uh, that we're doing both, Ralph, because I had a number of emails during the, the course of the last two weeks of people saying, why aren't you covering both with the podcast? And this, this, this is just people that are obviously getting the service and they've asked that question and I said oh, that's interesting one I'll have to ask Ralph is it because he's the adjudicator of what <laughs> what we do and don't do all right done deal so how, how did Randwick play overall when we look at it the sad part's this we, we've got some positives unfortunately to the 800 meters it was a hundred percent slow range Ralphie I mean minus 3.28 yes I did factor in that I felt that a couple of races were a little bit tempo related but overall, even when I make that adjustment and say, okay, the, the two races that I felt that were tempo-related, it still only brought the overall figure down to around two lengths below standard. So there's no question, no matter how you dice it up, we're definitely in the S5 zone at least and possibly S6, but S5 is the way it played. But from there on in, in the home straight, or from the 600 home, we're on rock-solid uh, ground, Ralphie, and this helped a lot of horses. I mean, to be, in my view, G3, G4, fantastic. All right, let's uh, have a look at the Canterbury Stakes. Before we do, and this is what we do on the preview podcast, when we say deep dive, we deep dive. So this takes three minutes, but this is what our pre-race thoughts were about the winner of the Group 1 Canterbury Stakes, Artorias. Well, speaking of class, let's get to Artorias. So, do you, it looks nice on paper, Vince, that uh, first up, 1,300, because he's always running on. I mean, first up, uh, let's go to the Caulfield run, for instance, last uh, – not not well, let's, let's ignore for, for now, and then I'll ask you more about the uh, the Ascot experience. But first up in February last year, uh, best last, 800, 600, 400, 200 the day, just crushed the line but was unplaced over 1,100. So 1,300 looks ideal for it, as does the booking of Zach Purden, and did, as did the uh, – the uh, Warwick Farm Barry child to the eye. What can you tell us about the clock? Well, firstly, just to touch on that Caulfield profile, I guess the biggest plus on that was, yes, there was no speed early, Ralph. If you look at that, those numbers, you know, seven links below standard through that first yes. section. I mean, <laughs> it, firstly, it's hard to run time, but there was no denying that plus 9.9 last 400. It was, it was massive, right? <laughs> Phenomenal. Last 6.6 oh. 6 last 200. Yeah, so you know this horse isn't going to have any challenges. The beauty is, if you have a look at that first up run in the UK, which was the best of the three runs overseas, clearly, actually that was really solid, Ralphie. What did you score that? Well, I ended up scoring that particular performance 3.2 lengths above standard. 
It was the third best performance on the day against all other runners, which it was I thought, Royal Ascot. Yeah, yeah, which wrong, I thought, yeah. yeah, I thought was excellent. Early speed, 2.4 lengths above benchmark. Last 400 was 4.2 lengths above benchmark. So I felt that was a rock-solid run, personally, yeah. from a data perspective. Now, we've got to note, this horse does have historical PB. We, we don't have to go too far back. We just got to go back to 21 and this horse was running, uh, realistically was running 4.2, 4.7 range. So we know this has got plenty of talent and I do agree, Ralphie, that the 1300s a positive start. So the barrier trial was the big indicator for me to see, okay, where are we at? Overall, I scored the, the barrier trial around two lengths below standard, Ralphie. Now here's the key with that trial though. They went through that first couple of hundred metres, about eight lengths below standard. Between the eight and the four, they actually slowed a little bit more. It was just where those cones were, how they had to, you know, drag into, you know, like into the home straight. Like, so the horse went from 7.7, 11.4 below. But last 400 metres, 2.3 above, and the last 200 metres. And I'm a big – I feel barrier trials – I always look for those key 200 metres to see that sign, and there it was, last 200 plus 4.4. It's the perfect trial you need to bring the horse on because, I mean, 209-day break is a decent break, Ralphie. Yeah. But that trial was what this horse needed. Now, I do have an expectation this horse should be able to come to play and at least run to the Ascot profile. And the reason why I say at least is I actually feel it's going to be better suited like – you touched at the beginning that 1,300 metres. So I'm, I'm seeing that as probably on the downward trend, that 3-2 is going to be the low and it's going to be a serious test for the eight. Of course, if for some reason it parades awful, then you know I'll probably uh, go back into the cave and have to reassess. But I can't see this horse missing the top three, Ralphie. Well, that's a good wrap around about the $7 mark. So that, uh, Miles uh, over, miles yeah. over. So you're saying really on class, there is a two-horse race here, and it's a real race, so it's evens versus $7, but you would not be surprised if he turns over the favourite. Oh, they should be close to equal favourite, the two of them. So Vince, you've summarised by saying equal favourites. They should have been Artorias and uh, Imperatrice. There was a struck match between them, but, oh, wow, we Zach Purden. He, he's not a bad jockey, is he? Ralphie, all I can say was this. I said to myself, please, Zach, don't go trying to loop the field. And when he was making the moves in between, I said, fantastic. I, I actually said to myself, I'm going to get first or second here. And mind you, myself as an individual, I'm quite happy with second or third because I'm going to get a great outcome, right? But if nothing beats if it wins, though, because then you get, the, you get all the extras on top, right? <laughs> Especially at that price. I mean, I could not believe the price on offer, and it drifted. And I said, am I the only guy that backed this horse? Because I just couldn't believe it, that there was a drift. I knew the favourite was going to drift a bit, and I expected this horse to tighten, and it didn't. But you're right. Zach, the star, he knew. He ran between runners. That's exactly what you're supposed to do and get a little bit of luck, and the money comes in. And he was sensational. I mean, the horse delivered as well. So let's ask why. Let's ask the why of the market because markets move certain ways. Yeah. And I, I like to say the why. most important letter in the word market is why. Yeah. Why? What was Arturis's first up record coming into the race? Zero four. Well, okay. But what was everybody's interpretation of what it did? Are we going to consider the run at Ascot as a first up run? 
There's no. I, I, what I'm saying is that some. This is uh, your your phrase, Vince. Stats are static. Oh, You're going to lose money sorry, looking at stats. Oh, but that's why he drifted. Ralphie, I know I've said it many times. I've done over a thousand man hours, right? Not computer hours, man hours, right? Looking at stats, and for me to only come away with possibly one thing from a thousand hours, that told me about that stats can be death by a thousand cuts. By the way, because it's going to be very misleading. For me, my perspective was when I did the Ascot performance and it was three point two lengths above benchmark. I said that's a sensational run. <laughs> yes. Yeah, simple as that. And we described on on the pod also prior to that at Caulfield, yeah, he's he's unplaced. He's sixth of seven. He's last 400, (laughs) 9.9 lengths above benchmark. You can't do more than that. No way. And and so, and we knew there in that race there, it was 100% just poor shape for the horse under that structure. But the ability, I I, I don't know if I mentioned even in the podcast, Rossi, I actually felt this Arturis is a a classier horse than Imperatrix, and I actually cannot believe that some people felt that this horse is as good as uh, uh, Anima. Are you serious? Are you serious? I just said to myself, anybody that has those type of thoughts when they're doing their figures, firstly, they're delusional, and secondly, right, they've got the wrong tools, man. So, so two point four lengths above benchmark. Best of the day on a tough day to run time. What's your projection here with uh, with Artorias? Well, we only got to go back to twenty one. Jeez, this is a bit of a non-conformist as well, isn't it? If we're looking at the power of you know October, September, November twenty one, and what some horses did, and then we we didn't quite see exactly that. I mean, this horse has a four point seven, Ralphie. At a mile, right? So yep. this is this is a no joke horse, and right now, I'm, I, the way I've pinned it on the graph, I do have an expectation that this horse should be able to at least roll to to what it did overseas around that three point two range, and I, I'm, I can't sort of sit here and say it's going to go beyond four point seven, but that's got to be the target that this horse could trend to. So uh, Daniel's asked about, uh, is he better going out to 1,400, 1,600 rather than dropping back to 1,200? I haven't read a communication, but I assume he's saying that there, there might be uh, a speculation that the TJ Smith, rather than going up in distance, is his next uh, start. Well, all I can say is this. His number one performances have both been at 1,400, 1,600. So, and I'm a big believer. When I'm getting data from tracks like Rose Hill, and Corfu, which is sort of up around that 40-year mark now, there's no way. There's no illusions, right? This yep. is not something that I make up. I have to you know, say this. I even hear some people talk about when they benchmark, they benchmark a, a, against group races. Now, just got to say this, Ralphie. Let's say you had 10 years of data, right? 10 years, right? Yep. For the more modern person that's got – and that's a lot for the more modern person, right? And let's say there's 300 group races – amongst the major tracks, right, over the 10 years in, in a particular jurisdiction. Then you divide them by the number of tracks and then on average by five different distances, you'll be working off records of around 20. That is another angle of delusion when a person can come out, make communication against the group class and this is the performance, the early speed. That's just total rubbish, man. And all you're going to do is end up with a big giant hole in your back pocket and you're going to mislead a lot of people as well. That's very important. I have tried all different things, Ralphie. 
you know, I don't sit here and think about, oh, this is the only way. I test everything to see what works and doesn't work. But I've been practicing for 40 years. Now, let's just say over the last 20 years, I've really fine-tuned it. Because in the first 20 years, it's just all guessing game because I don't even know what I was doing, right? Yep. If I want to be candid with myself and hard on myself. So this is the reality. You've got to be very careful when you're using benchmark profiling. It can be a massive trap. And unless it's done in a particular manner, and what I have learned is this, Rafi, the hardest thing that I'm finding in my journey of this whole racing game, it's actually not about finding the winners or trying to make some money. The hardest thing is this, is when it comes to your benchmark calculations and adjustments, that's by far the biggest challenge that I have on my plate still today, and it's no easy beast to overcome. And and I mean this, Ralphie, this is such a difficult thing to do. It's just not a simple thing, oh, we'll just make an adjustment. It's not. Because yeah. you make the wrong tactical adjustment, and then you get, and like I've done in the past, years and years ago, Ralph, you know, last, if I go back 15, 20 years, and I would think a horse is just an absolute sensation, and it, it's not. It's nowhere near that because I've misunderstood how to benchmark. Well, you've got 1,093 records in the Randwick Miles, so let's right. get to, let's I think that look. helps, doesn't it, right? This is what I'm trying to say, right? <laughs> Don't think you're a genius just saying, I'll go and just do it against the last 20 group races over 10 years if you're lucky to get a good track because that's going to give me terrific insight. Really? Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's going to give you great insight on how you're going to lose all your money. And by the way, I was being literally, I'm reading off your uh, IVR report, 1,093 races, Randwick Mile, and that brings us to the Randwick uh, Guineas. We were happy, we were sad, Vince. Lindemann. You said $3 should have been its price. We got out to $18. And again, this talks about, you know, if you just want to be benchmarking stakes races, we clearly articulated this horse was a mad, mad price because it had won a benchmark 78. People weren't looking at the clock. Oh, Ralphie, joke, seriously. I couldn't believe the price on this horse as well, like particularly for the, you know, for the place. It's paid massive. The, the hard part's this. This horse does get through some give in the ground, but Ralphie, I don't think it's a lover of it. And probably just a little bit of a negative for the horse through the first 400 metres. So this is why that moderate, I feel, that moderate move, like just travelling 3.1 lengths below benchmark, it's a significant drop off the previous run. But then again, there's that, I've got that email from a person saying that they were targeting longer distance, this stable. and you know, like it's possible, could there have been a little bit of flatness come off that last run as well, possibly? I mean, I, I wasn't going to go into that because I'm a big believer from, you know, the, the factual work that I've done that three-year-olds are definitely, and when I'm talking about three-year-olds, Goldings and Colts, not Phillies. Yep. They, can, they can rebound and they can put two, three runs together. So I wasn't looking at that. I was actually here more coming from the angle that this particular runner just the speed they had to travel out through the first section. This is the type of horse. He doesn't have a booming 400-metre sprint, so he's a horse that has to run. And, yes, there's got to be a little bit of strategic movement, but you've got to run at a good high cruising speed and you've just got to run the rest of the horses into the ground. And I don't believe it's an advantage for this horse to be sitting up going soft speed because it doesn't have a high acceleration. Well, not at the moment, Ralphie. Yeah, Rose Hill Guineas is a target 2,000 metres in two weeks' time. So 
Um, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, so keep, keep that in mind. And actually, uh, Scotty, of course, we let our members ask questions. Um, on Sunday, I always send out an email, and Scotty's asked, um, your email, never listen to trainers, always listen to trainers. This was a newsletter I sent out. Vince, right. I'll explain it in a sec. Uh, Reed Linderman, Waller on RSN, says his race is the Rosehill Guineas 2000. Along with Vince's conference, the heavier place bet was ideal with the use of those two bits of information. So thank you plenty. So the point being what I sent out, it was after Steinem. One and right. uh, David Eustace, and we mentioned this on the update podcast when about you made your case for Gold Trip, and David Eustace said, "Well, it's just a kickoff run." Well, Gold Trip, you said, "Well, hang on, look at the numbers; he can be below his best and run well, but his best was Steinem." So, in other words, you're going to take in all the information, yep. take in the data, take in what the traders are saying, take it on face value, but take in what they're actually doing in the race as well. So, you end up getting a great place price. Oh intelligence is all I can say. Intelligence. <laughs> so so let's, it's one of the ways of making good money in this game. <laughs> we haven't got to the winner yet. A benchmark performance. Again, uh, we mentioned that with Mark Zara. Talk us through Zach Purden's perfection over that last 800 metres. Oh, Ralphie, is this, he, he's a star rider. There's no doubt about that. I'm absolutely certain of that, and I can understand why he dominates, even though I don't personally follow Hong Kong racing like you know watching all their races and that but the reality is just sensational 5.7 lengths below benchmark first section beautiful move in the mid race of around 5.6 lengths now mind you when i say beautiful if you look at the day the squeeze was 5.6 lengths it was like 68th biggest squeeze so you just know there's no way the horse was overburdened like with a savage move in the mid race in other words Zach Purton didn't overextend because he could have probably overextended this horse's mid-race by another two or three lengths, but he didn't do that. And then last 400 metres, he's gone 0.1. He's pretty much held his lines 0.1 below. The horse was done right at the end, but that's when you need to be done right on the line, right? And they got victory far out, you know, cost me. (laughs) I I have to say, I was hoping that this Lyndon would have stayed first because you don't often get the opportunity to be betting high double-digit odds. Vince, imagine and, if you got $51 two weeks before. Oh, right? Some people did. <laughs> I know. I, I can just imagine who that was. Someone mentioned it to me without me saying who it is, right? It's ridiculous. Imagine that. <laughs> oh. Anyway. So with Af Cabin, you made this very clear. This horse had yet to be able to show that he could finish off a race off a fast tempo. Now, he's 13 uh, 08 in the old, uh, I think, 260 he started. Um, and this seems like it just confirms the case. Yeah, and I, yes, I like the fact that I do feel this also about tempo-related, right? I knew it, right? Yep. But I didn't expect it to go right at the back virtually, Ralphie, right? Yes, I, that's the other I mean, it was bottom three through the first half of the race, right? Like in the in the bottom three where you're positioning running and you're travelling 8.7 lengths below benchmark. So what happens is we know this, this horse has got an outstanding at least – 400-metre sprint, right, and can probably sustain a solid 800 metres. But he's got that big capacity, something that, say, Lindemann may not have, right, Ralphie, right? They've got to be ridden under two different types of structure. And that, unfortunately, did it for the horse. The big move, 8.7, went 0.8 above between the 8 and the 4. And you can just see it in the uh, micro splits, Ralphie, 0.4 below between the 6 
the eight and the six. So still, you know, ratcheting up that, you know, fast momentum move. Peaked with a 1.1 above between the six and the four. So if you combine those two, it's like 9.8. So that's one and three quarter seconds of high acceleration. Still maintaining about 0.7 above and then the rhythm broke. The rhythm broke over the last 200 metres. That was it. So what this means is this. If the horse, seriously, Ralph, if the horse was two lengths closer in running, and only tracking. In other words, we're communist one. I actually think that horse wins. It's funny, you know, the last time last year in this exact race, you were saying that, uh, and we're not comparing class, by the way, but no. I'm just talking about position. In this exact race, you were saying James McDonald is getting too far back on NMO. And after this race, he started banging him on the speed. Yep. So he, maybe he, this is the same but different different class, but th- this could be uh, the making of uh, F Cabin. Well, they obviously... Well, at least they find out. <laughs> yeah, well, they probably feel, because there's a lot of, you know, rumours floating around or stories, whatever, about the, p- the possibility, can it, can't it get a mile? Yep. And I knew one thing that I'd sort of stumbled on, and when I say stumbled on, I wasn't totally tuned in about this horse's profile, say, two weeks ago, about exactly what it does or doesn't like in terms of its characteristics. But by the time we got to race day, I was of that clear formation that this horse is demonstrating... He's not going to like a fast run race, particularly if it's over two sections. It's going to be a big negative because the horse has to breathe. And I just felt it looked like they were just too cautious here. So James McDonald got beaten on two short favourites in a row, and it brings us to to Roots in the next race. Can I just add to the equation? And on Saturday morning, you said your confidence in Roots had dissipated if it was going to be a slow track. So uh, that's part of a question here from, uh, from Mark. But also... He hasn't got many weaknesses, James McDonald. Is he looking for lanes that aren't there when the rails had six metres? Super wide? Well, I I don't know if everybody got the opportunity, but I did do this little segment on the Sky Radio on the Friday. I yep. actually talked about the lane bias. It just happened to come up, and I talked about that the challenge with Ramwick on Saturday is going to be this. You've only got six lanes to work with when the, when, the, when you're in the sixth position. If you're outside of that, like in other words, if if you're on the fence within six, they're the fastest strip. Then really, I, and I didn't make this particular comment. I just said that if you look, if you're wider than that, you're going to be disadvantaged. And basically, what happens is if you look at all the intel, lanes thirteen to seventeen are actually negative. In other words, that when you hit those lanes, you're actually going backwards and you're not advantaged. You're disadvantaged. So. That's only a big advantage if the rail's in the true. Then you want to scout wide because then you're going to yeah. be where you're going to be 10 off the fence, 12 off the fence. The lanes you're don't be, move in. No, you're going to be clapping hands. <laughs> the rail does. And you're going to, yeah, you're going to find two lengths. Yep. So, Roots, what did we learn from her? Was Is it just confer, confirming that, you know, dry the better for her? Oh, for sure, Ralphie. I have no doubt about that. Absolutely. Yep. All right, the old boy. Oh, where do we combine all this in the challenge stakes? Firstly, uh, passive aggressive. Uh, well, it was it was it was a passive aggressive ride from Jordan Childs, having this mare right up on the speed and saying, say "Eduardo, you're not going to you're not going to get it completely your way." Probably the winning move in the end. There's an eyelash between them. Giga kick, phenomenal close. We've had a few questions about Giga kick. So, firstly, passive aggressive v Eduardo on the. On the podcast, we were saying this is ridiculous. So it's five dollars, and the market agreed on this one. Vince backed him in the three dollars twenty. Eduardo. Yeah, fair enough too. I mean, geez, he's good, isn't he? Nash, he's good. Two point six lengths below benchmark. 
just so cruisy for that horse. But we did sort of say that, that he's a runner that he's not one of those horses that has to be busted open anymore. He can he can travel at the speed that needs to be travelled at, and he relaxes. And he did exactly that in the mid race again, like very measured, right? No overextending. Have a look at the squeeze mid-race. It was 1.1 length, Ralphie, right? Yeah. 90th best squeeze for the day. Like the winner, they were just saying, we're going to be orderly. We're not going to make any moves, and we're going to make this as hard as we can over the last 400 metres. And that's what they did. They tried to then turn it into a sprint home. And basically, I look at Nash. He's gone from minus 1.5 between the 8 and the 6 to virtually benchmark speed between the four, 6 and the 4. Then he's increased his pace to 1.6 above between the 4 and the 2. And his typical trademark, 1.9 above over the last 200 metres, finding a bit more. But that's that's all the horse had, though, Ralphie. That was everything, right? So plus 2.2, the winner, plus 2, Eduardo. Uh, is, have they got much more to come, this prep? Well... I'll look at it like this. If I go on the trial of Eduardo, who produced like a 1.6 negative. Yep. And he's made a, a pretty solid leap to step out. That usually is a sign there's more to come. So I don't believe that. galaxy in two weeks. Yeah, so there's no way that's it for Eduardo. I right. have a good level of confidence. This Right now on my graph, Rolfi, I'm pinning the horse. Hit, this horse is two to 3.6 range. I don't, I'm not putting five down, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, not going there at this stage, right? But can this horse run to three and a half? Yes. I, I've, there's, I have no reason why not right now. And passive-aggressive? Uh, passive-aggressive, well, I can't fault the run. The acceleration was damn sensational, really, if I compare it against Eduardo. Yep. And looking at the profile, Beg, he, you know, like the start, he's just got his horse tuned <laughs> right up. But here's my problem with this horse. I've got no ceiling on it. I yep. don't know... How much more this horse can improve? This is the challenge. I actually don't know, Ralphie. So 2.2, I can't sit here and say to you, the horse could just go to five or six. Maybe that's the best we're ever going to see of the horse, or this is just the beginning. Because if I'm using my typical profiling, the profile does indicate that this horse has come back a far superior horse and must be respected. And, uh, and as you said, they didn't overextend early, so the two-week backup, I think, looks like it's going to be no concern into the Galaxy. It's, no, it's and, if there's ra- and if there's rain around, look out. Okay, well, let's get to Giga Kick. Grant's asked, can we get a comparison between the last four between Artorias and Giga Kick? Both very impressive. So, firstly, Giga Kick, uh, phenomenal from where it was. Yeah, well, realistic. Under any other circumstances, where's this going next, Robert? That's what I want to know. TJ Smith, Randwick 1200. So not, not this Galaxy thing. No, no, the, the, the first two look like they're going to Galaxy, but grand final, second up, Giga well, Kick. I'm confident saying this. It, none of these horses in this field can beat Giga Kick if they ever meet again. Yep. There's no way, no way at all. The performance of this horse was electric. 8.2 lengths below benchmark first section. Are you joking? To give a six, virtually a six-length head start in a 1,000-metre race, right? And the horse, you know, bumbled a little bit outside when he jumped. That's why he's got that slowish sort of figure. So that was a little bit of a negative for the horse. The move in the mid-race was solid, 7.6-length mid-race squares. We just talked about the other two horses. They bludged. They only only had mid-race moves of a length, right? And then the last 400 metres, wow, 7.7 above. Mind you, when I look at this horse, 
I don't see many horses that can produce a plus 11 last 400. Like, I do have to go to Black Caviar and, and Winks and all these sort of horses, right, for last 400, right? Of course, off softer speed. But this horse, to be able to do that on the first up run, and really, even I look at the last 200 metres, you can just see that little taper at the, the end, entitled to do that and going to be a monster elevator. Wow. All right. So exciting times ahead there for lots of big races. Hopefully we've given you a good insight into them. Our Group 1 members, we're going to have a look at the two two-year-old races and how they match up for the Golden Slipper. So if you're a Group 1 member, you'll be getting that email this morning. But in the meantime, uh, hopefully we can uh, help you out with some winners this weekend in our preview podcast for the uh, on Friday, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday on Year Round Cup.